Ladies and gentlemen, I would like to welcome you to another thought-provoking and astounding episode of the one, the only, B-Sticks Podcast. I am one half of your co-host team, Paisy White, with my cohort, Fat Mac. We plan on taking you down the twisted, weaving ropes of the Mandela Effect. As a matter of fact, today is the man himself, Nelson Mandela's would-be 100th birthday. And here at the Beefsticks Podcast Studios, we're already noticing some strange things going on around there. Like, if you went to WWE's Hall of Fame webpage, you might notice that one Hulk Hogan a man who never made it into the Hall of Fame in the first place. If you look back the last three years, there's no sign of him. But now, the Hulkster is in the Hall of Fame. And it hasn't even been WrestleMania. It's confusing. It's astounding. It's miraculous. And it's strange. Follow me deeper down the rabbit hole. Ouch. Well, folks, if you didn't know, Sunday was my 30th birthday, and I spent half the night Saturday through today, which will be the last five fucking days, dealing with crippling, mind-melting tooth pain. Melting the mind. It's been rough. There's been a lot of swelling. Been a lot of pain, but I'm here tonight, folks, trying to bring and give me a little bit of leeway if I'm quieter than usual. Just know that your boy Pasty is here. Fuck. 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 Thirty eight been good to this guy. You know, when I turned twenty five. When I was turning twenty four. I just uh, I just got sick as a diggum dog. One of my worst sicknesses I'd, I'd ever had. It was crazy. Uh, I don't know, man. Something about getting old, I think, just kills you. Hmm. It drives me crazy. Uh, seems like every time I start to dig myself out of some shit, some other shit drags me back in some shit. Ah, oh, shit. Yeah, I know. It's some shit. So we watched a lot of wrestling this week by standards. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Sticking with our uh, sticking with our summer of other. I I almost completely avoided WWE altogether because really made me angry. I I started watching Extreme Rules and by the first match I was done. I didn't want anything to do with it. I didn't give a shit. They didn't have me giving a shit. And it was I was done. So I quit. I left. I did watch the uh, G1 Climax special from from San Francisco, the New Japan show. Yeah. Which I enjoyed watching. It's a big watching. one, folks. It's as long as a damn WWE pay-per-view. A little. Uh, yeah. Just a little. A little bit longer. 
Much better content, though. Holy shit. Yeah, there was there was filler in there for sure, but there was a lot of really... The good stuff was really good. You know, we can say that the good stuff was really good. Like I said. Um, mm. Other than that, um, I, watched, I watched the G1 special, and I watched some of Extreme Rules, some hand-picked matches... Other than that, I really didn't... I didn't even go to the network, I don't think, this last week. I didn't watch any, um... I didn't watch the last Something Else to Wrestle with Bruce Pritchard. I know there's another uh, Table for Three that has Bruce Pritchard, Eric Bischoff, and uh, somebody else, I don't remember. I didn't watch that. I was very... Actually, I haven't even... I didn't go to any uh, pro wrestling news sites or Facebook pages, so I haven't really kept up on the pro wrestling scene this um this week but it's been a busy week the the weather was so nice i spent a ton of time outdoors i did a lot of lawn work i even watched an attempted murder uh so that was kind of interesting i was out on my deck saturday after cutting down a crap ton of trees and bushes and pulling shit out and cutting and clipping so I went out and on my deck. He's just talking about his pubes. You damn right. You got to get ready for the summer. So I went out on my deck, with some, sat out there, and had some beers. And I was about on my seventh, eighth beer. So I was listening. I was listening to some wrestling podcasts and some other podcasts. So I did get some of that in. But all of a sudden, I see this car driving erratically. And my my street's a pretty quiet street. Not a lot goes on. But it was driving erratically. Not super fast, but, you know, caught my eye a little bit. What really caught my eye was the female on the passenger side jumped out of the car while the car was still going. Just jumped out. She stumbled a bit, didn't quite fall or roll or nothing, stumbled a bit. The car slams on the brakes. She goes, runs in the opposite direction the car was going through some people's lawns. She's She's running off. The car goes into reverse, just pedal to the metal all the way to the floor went back took out a neighbor's uh mailbox and a couple bushes there (laughs) tried to run the broad over she ended up dipping between some houses and taking off and then he pulled forward and dipped off there too but man the way he snapped that mailbox and took out those bushes if he'd have hit her he'd have done some damage it was kind of wild it was a show to be happening, you know. I mean, it was literally right across the street from me <laughs> as I'm out here on my on my deck enjoying my beers. And, of course, Fat Mac being the upstanding citizen he is, threw on his cape and went to the rescue of the damsel in distress. The damn damsel was gone. She did, she booked off before he pulled away. I'm talking but, about the mailbox. Oh, uh, yeah, I did save the mailbox. No, I did go. I went over there. I went over there shirtless sweat glistening a beer in hand and and uh, made a report to the police that were there you know i did my my civil duty told him what i seen i don't care i had a beer in hand and titties hanging out cops don't care they got more important fish to fry but it was fun it was that kept me that was exciting something that doesn't happen all the time around my place at least yeah 
usually you got to travel up about 10, 12 more blocks to get that kind of action. And Pasty, do I have a surprise for you, man? You always give me so? you always give me so much shit. You're sitting over there and you're drinking your your fruity beers and your citrusy beers and you're like, you know, I know Fat Mac, you won't drink this shit, but it's really good. This week I was looking around for something to drink and I I stumbled upon Boulevard Boulevard Brewing Company and it's called Jam Band. It actually looks like something that would be great at the Galactic Get Down Music Festival. But it is a berry ale with blueberry, raspberry, and cherry. Yeah, that sounds fantastic. I'm gonna try it right now for the first time. See what a mm. see what it has to say. It smells it's, delicious. I was gonna say it smells like beer. It doesn't smell fruity. It'd be easy to mute those flavors, though, into a beer, where you could say they're there, but they don't really overly affect it too much. Um, it tastes fruity. I think I taste the, the cherry more than anything. But yeah. But it isn't, uh... Raspberry blueberry are very tart and would, would kind of dissolve into the flavor, I think. Yeah, and that's about what it is. It, it, it isn't really sweet. It's got that bitter that you get from, like, fresh berries and cherries, you know, not the processed shit that you get with all the sugars added to it. It actually has got a pretty, a good bitter flavor to it. This one's really crazy. I might actually buy another six-pack of this and and go out on my deck and enjoy this, because this is a crisp, cool... I might I might buy some of this for the get-down, Pasty. They only sell it in six-packs? That's, that's what I found it in at our... At the liquor store I was in here. Boulevard Brewing Company, Kansas City. Yeah, Boulevard Brewing Company are the same ones who are doing Tech Nine's uh, Boulou. Are they? They're pretty new. They've yeah. only been around since 1989, it says here. Yep. They set out to make beers for real beer lovers. Beers with color, flavor, body, and aroma. The finest that's, ingredients. That's good news, though. If you can find Boulevard, that means we'll probably get Boulou somewhere down the line here in the great state of Minnesota. That'll how, make me a happy guy. Every every beer must get their ingredients from the exact same place because every beer is made from the finest ingredients. Everyone. <laughs> they must all get it from the exact same place if they're all the finest. <laughs> we should just make a flat out like proud to be shitty kind of red dog type of beer yep drink our shit it doesn't taste good but it's cheaper than the motherfuckers and it gets you drunk made with the mess agreements ingredients on planet earth all it is is fucking um su- fucking sun tea with rubbing alcohol mixed in it <laughs> <laughs> buy this shit delicious man the smiles hurt so much I'll bet uh, I'll bet well man if you wouldn't try to fit all them dicks in your mouth at one time it would probably it was my 30th birthday well yeah you want to fit a lot of dicks in there. that makes sense dirty 30 like my high school reunions pasty took that dirty 30 fucking a little too seriously Oh, yeah, and they were dirty. <laughs> All 30 of them fucked the anal cavities of the other 30. 
<laughs> it was like a human centipede sort of fucking thing, just with cocks and asses. <laughs> and then all of which cocks inside my mouth. Oh, man. Fun stuff. As fun as your fucking mom on the rag, baby. Speaking of funner than fucking your mom on the rag, in one day and two weeks, we will be in sunny, balmy Houston, Minnesota. We're going to Houston! Yes! Houston, we have a problem. That's what they say when Cloud Style Broadcasting gets there. I like their new uh, cover um, video the Galactic Get Down has. I don't know if you've I been to their Facebook page it. lately, but man, it's it's kind of nice. Actually, um, well, we'll have to do our spiel and let everybody know what's going on, but um, I was actually talking to a friend of mine who's planning on going... And she had never heard of it or anything like that, and she was she was like, you know, I really thought I wasn't even going to like the fucking music, but she said, I went on YouTube and looked up a bunch of the songs and looked up the festival. She's like, ah, I like this shit. She's like, this is going to be fun. I was like, you're damn right. I didn't invite it's you just because I'm fun. It's roots, man. You get to hear a little bit of everything. A little bit of everything. And by a little bit of everything... We mean, you're going to get the Lunar Funk Theory. You're going to get the Natty Nation. You're going to get Mae Simpson. Smoking Joe and May Friends. Mae Simpson Music just released her first EP, folks. Ooh. Hot off the presses. Make sure you pick them up down at the Galactic Get Down. Got Illegal Smile. We got Elore. Aaron Cram and the One Drops. Of course, Space Monkey Mafia. That one guy, Useful Jenkins, Frog Leg, L Dub, Dead Larry, the big guy's in charge. Space Monster's gonna be there, hosted by Big Zach. Not only do you get all this beautiful music and more, but you also get a few shows. There's gonna be live art by Dizzle Arts, Shaken Paint, Melanie Kimple, Rico Lindquists, Rob Munger. Mara Meltzer, there will probably be some fire dancers, maybe some balloon ladies, and a hell of a whole lot more. Folks, if you get your weekend pass now, I mean, you get done listening to this, go to the website, it's www.galacticgetdown.com, or you can get a link to their page going to facebook.com forward slash galacticgetdown. Folks, you buy it now, 85 bucks is all it's going to cost you. 85 bucks. I've spent more than 85 bucks just going to the bar for a night. I've spent more than 85 bucks just getting a Dutch rudder from a Russian hooker. And Boris was quite the strong gentleman, let me tell you. Still got bruises on your arm to prove it. Still got bruises. And hey, if you don't get if you don't get passes now, you're you're debating, you're not sure this or that, and you end up coming there that week. It's still only a hundred bucks at the gate. Hundred bucks. I've spent more than that at the bar in a night. So, come on, go check it out. Come on down and enjoy a full weekend of music, activities, games, and surprises. Come be a part of the Galactic Get Down Interactive Galaxy Costume Contest. 
Bring multiple costumes because it's rated every single day. Every single it's day. Be a fun time. Yes, and music music on the main stage is rages late into the night. What about the rest of the time? You wonder. You know, for those of you who do not like the S L E E P, you know me. You can always get down. With headphones in Funky Town for the Silent Jams. Silent Jams. It's an additional fee to the cost, but it's not a whole lot, and it basically covers the cost of the headphones you are going to be wearing as your raging face, melting minds, and dancing with your friends in the late night hours. It's going to be going to be a hell of an experience i can't wait to go around and podcast the silent jams it's gonna be fun both friday and saturday night they will be raging till the sun comes up it's gonna be good it's gonna be done it's, uh, it's gonna be good i'm really excited to be back our second year podcasting last year was excellent wish we could have brought you guys more content but this year this year will be the year for you to hear. And hopefully those of you listening will attend following years. Come be a part of the podcast. Why not? Jump on board with the band. Galactic is down. To infinity and beyond. And beyond. Yes. And don't be caught pulling into the Galactic Get Down parking lot with a bare vehicle. Of course, I am talking. You need to hit up Monster Wear, high quality decals, fast turnaround times. High-quality products, great customer service, locally sourced here in the great state of Minnesota. Get your decals, your custom t-shirts, and your hand-painted hockey masks just in time for softball season. Monster Wear Clothing. Wear the monster on your clothing. (laughs) Oh, I'm a little behind, but I'm picking things up. Don't worry. Don't worry. I'm picking things up. We're getting there. Hoo-wee. So, yeah, as I was talking about earlier, uh, Hulk Hogan's back in the WWE Hall of Fame. How do you feel about this, Fad Mac? Well, let me tell you something, brother. When I seen the red and yellow just seeping through the cracks of a broken-down WWE Hall of Fame, because, brother, without the Hulkamaniac standing behind it, that Hall of Fame was crumbling down like your world crashing down deep inside, brother, like the real American heroes once said in my theme song. Brother, I said, I know, I know that the Hulkster is coming to save the day. And let me tell you this, brother... 
when Hulk Hogan came back in and I seen the big old HOF carved into his heart because, brother, he bleeds the WWE and it's in his soul. And he looked out at each and every one of the Hulkamaniacs and he told us, it's going to be okay, brother. It's going to be okay because the Hulkster comes and the Hulkster conquers and nothing can keep the Hulkster out of this WWE Hall of Fame. And one thing... I really like Titus O'Neil, brother. <laughs> I, uh, no, I, I mean, honestly, let's put it this way. Hulk, he never really was out of the WWE Hall of Fame. I don't think anybody felt that way. And it's one of those things, even like baseball and football, you know, they take people out of the Hall. I mean, once they're put in, they're, they're in. You know, and Hulk Hogan did did and said some really stupid things. But there's people who have done and said worse. The Ultimate Warrior, Jimmy Superfly Snooka, just to name Vincent a couple. Kennedy McMahon. Yeah, I mean, so it's like... And none of them, including the Ultimate Warrior or Jimmy Superfly Snooka, with arguably Vince McMahon being the only other person, none of them have done more or are WWF, WWE than Hogan. I mean, he's just... You can't erase... If there's one figure you can't erase from pro wrestling, it's Hulk Hogan. So, I'm... I'm happy for it. Now, me not being an African-American male, or an African-American at all, I, I can't say anything about his comments. I can't say it's been long enough. I can't say whether it matters that he didn't say them publicly and that, you know, I, I can't, that isn't for me to say it, but I, I know for me personally, I'm happy for the performer Hulk Hogan to be recognized by the WWE again. Yeah, it's rough. Uh, from what it sounds like, the, the locker room is pretty split on this, especially the African-American superstars. Uh, it's It's got to be difficult because WWE preaches so much to their talent, what you can do, what you can't do. If you do this, you're going to get fired. And then they just bring back the most iconic failure in WWE, I don't, I, I, I don't know if I'm stating that properly, but the the biggest fall, I think, is what you mean. The largest fall yeah. from grace, maybe what you're mm-hmm. trying to say. Yeah. <clears throat> Kofi Kingston of the New Day tweeted this statement out. To the WWE Universe and whoever else it may concern, this will be only the only statement we will make regarding Hogan's reinstatement into WWE's Hall of Fame. We do not wish to spend the energy debating the point. Because between our kids, our external venture, and this job, our energy is spread thin enough already. LOL. We are only writing this to simply provide an answer to many who have bombarded us with questions on where we st- <coughs> on where we stand on the issue. We preface this statement by emphasizing that this is our own opinion. It may not necessarily reflect the opinions of anyone else affected. How do we feel? Indifferent. 
We are not happy or sad, angry or resentful. Who WWE puts into the Hall of Fame is totally and completely up to the company, and from a career standpoint, there is no argument on whether or not Hogan should have his place. We have no problem with his reinduction in the slightest degree. It's impossible to even begin to mention the history and evolution of the business without mentioning his name and accolades. On a personal level, when someone makes racist or hateful comments about any race or group of people, specifically to the degree that Hogan made about our people, we find it difficult to simply forget, regardless of how long ago it was or the situation in which those comments were made. But also, we do not respond with more feelings of hate. Instead, we do not associate with people who convey or have conveyed negative and hateful mindset. This instance will be no different. Perhaps if we see him make a genuine effort to change, then maybe our opinion will change with him. Time will tell. Through the course of our lives, people have used racist comments towards us, and it doesn't feel good. If we stop moving forward every time we met with prejudicial hatred, then we would have never achieved our current accomplishments. We know we are worth it. We know our kids are worth it. And most importantly, we know that the people who look at us are worth it, and always have been. There isn't a person on this planet who will ever be able to say anything to make us think otherwise because we believe in ourselves as a people and don't need anyone's approval on that, regardless who they are. Having said that, his reinstatement won't change anything for us. It will have zero effect on our ability to perform or the level of effort we will put into doing what we love to do, and that is to deliver an entertaining product each and every week for our fan base. Sincerely, The New Day. Never trade your authenticity for approval. That was... God, that was a very mature, educated response or, or statement, I should say. That's the first I've read it or heard it. I, like I said, I've stayed away from all news shit other than brother, brother. And uh, I, I like what they had to say about that. Again, I mean, obviously that's how they feel. It can't be right or wrong. That's... You're not allowed to be right or wrong with how you feel. But I think that was so eloquently written. You know Xavier wrote it. Who posted that? What did you say? It was Kofi. Kofi? You know Xavier mm-hmm. wrote it. <laughs> that that sounds like Xavier in my head. You know what I mean? Because it I don't was know. Very to me, eloquent. it says the maturity of Kofi. But I guess it I could. It. I don't know. I've never. I've never really read an essay from either one of them. I just know that Xavier Woods is highly intelligent and is, is very educated and schooled, you know? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, no matter who wrote it, it was, I think that is probably the most mature and honest response you could get yeah. without trying to sling mud. As a matter of fact, today, Titus O'Neill retweeted that statement after lots of reports have come out in the last handful of days that Titus is one of the most outspoken people against Hogan's return. Uh, But he retweeted their statement and said, In full agreement and support of everything said in this statement, my additional response to this from... My additional response to this from to follow as there have been numerous erroneous reports on my views and response to this situation. 
he's just trying not to get suspended. So he, so he didn't add anything, really, did he? <laughs> right. He just said, right. in addition, I'm I'm saying some more stuff, but doesn't say anything. Yeah, one of the yeah. few things I did see on like uh, on a Facebook um, kind of pop up thing or whatever. <laughs> or on my news feed or whatever, what wherever I, I read it or seen it or heard it, was that he actually walked out of Extreme Rules when Hogan was there or, or because Hogan was there. Um, additional reports state that he tripped while leaving out the back door. So, I mean, I don't know. Just, that sounds legit. That sounds like Titus. Um, that was a, I made up that last part. That was a joke. <laughs> Pasty's not going to laugh at my jokes because he's trying not to smile. So I'm going to sound like I don't fucking know what I'm doing up here. I'm gonna need to start the old laugh track I'm sorry. again. Like I, I mentioned earlier, I'm not here half the time. I don't even have the I'm laugh trying. track on here anymore. I do have real American. Oh no! Do that. Yeah, all my all of my stuff is gone. I just got to re-put it on. Is that what you were talking about, or what? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. all of my stuff is gone. I just got to re-put it on. I still have a refrigerator, which we don't use anymore. I have a Homer Simpson dough. And then I have the uh, Ron Jeremy fucking <laughs> porn music. <laughs> and now I got uh, Hulk Hogan's Real American that I might want to turn down. It's probably a little loud to the folks listening at home. That's all I got right now. I got to add some more. I just, I haven't had any daygum time. But that's good. It's a good thing to be busy. And I mean, in all of this, in all of this, with Hulk Hogan's return, the locker room kind of up in arms about it, uh, you know, this could even fall back on, you know, the women not being included in the Greatest Royal Rumble, but he's allowed to be back after what he did. Uh, Everybody... Everybody I've talked to, everybody online has been clamoring for the opinion and views of one person in this matter. And of course, that one person is none other than James Ellsworth. (laughs) Apparently, James was present during Hogan's speech backstage at Extreme Rules. According to Ellsworth, Triple H began the talent meeting by telling the roster that Hogan had been reinstated and warning everyone about dangers of social media. Explained that when you are a WWE superstar, you need to be very careful about your conduct because everyone has a camera on them these days and a gaffe can spread around the world within minutes. He heard his speech. Hogan said that he did not know that he was being recorded when he said his vile, inexcusable things about black people on multiple occasions. Which is just mind-boggling on most. And the talent meeting ended with Mark Henry offering support Hogan. Yeah, you know, I, and again, you and I, we don't get to decide anything. We, we don't. I, I 100% agree with that. Not only that, no one black person is allowed to say how any other black person can feel about it. It's it's all subjective and it's all opinionated. But there's been a decent amount of support for Hogan and I, I don't know if it's the um if it's, you know, the good old boys club or if it's the camaraderie and the closeness that they used to have, but it seems like so many of the black veterans 
are really behind Hogan. And I think, I mean, my my biggest guess is from from just well, yeah, I mean, you gotta think the veterans came up in a completely different place. You know, it was nothing like it is now socially in America. Well, that, and, and I just think I think it was in the hazing. Back then, as a superstar, you had to endure so much shit that the things that came out of Hogan's mouth probably didn't feel like anything at all after what they'd been through. And, well, I think also it was such a different time to where all pro wrestlers were outsiders and were looked at as as beneath. And I think mm. a lot of time, especially back in the 60s, 70s, 80s, I think a lot of times... You know, it was one of the few places that some blacks could get notoriety. You look at somebody like the Junkyard Dog, who back in the 60s and 70s, when there was so much oppression and so much going uh, against the African-American communities, he was making tons of money and he was headlining and he could eat in any restaurant he wanted to in the areas that he was big. And so I just feel like, I think that maybe they, they look at him as somebody that they're akin to, you know, as, as a cousin, or I, I hate to say this, but as a brother, you know what I mean? Whereas mm-hmm. a lot of the younger guys didn't grow up with that, didn't grow up at, with Hogan being the guy, and, and don't grow up with that closeness. It's different now. These guys are, are it's a whole different world. It's a whole different world. You know, it's funny, though, you said that everybody is, uh, Wants to know how James Ellsworth feels about it, you know? Mm-hmm. And what a lot of people don't know is the the same transcript, the same uh, 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 video, audio that got leaked of Hogan when he went on this whole tirade. It didn't end where they end the recordings. He, he, he went on about, you know, black folks and dropping the N-word. But then after that, he was talking about another guy that his daughter had been dating. And this guy had, like, no chin. And I actually have the transcript here. He said, I mean, I'd rather, if she was going to fuck some no chin, I'd rather have her marry an eight-foot-tall no chin worth $100 million. You know, like a tennis player. I mean, I guess we're all a little bit of a chin cyst. Fucking no chins. And that, that he talked about that too, and people don't people don't talk about that. But you know, you gotta you gotta say. I mean, he attacked the the chinless folk as much as he attacked black folk, and, and nobody cares. Nobody cares about poor Ellsworth. <laughs> Hogan went off on his kind too, you know. Man, we didn't Not think there that. was a stipulation to that match. I never once predicted James Ellsworth was going to be suspended above <laughs> the ring by six feet in a shark cage. I was just going to say, not only that, they're locking up chin folk like animals now, too, chinless folk. <laughs> as soon as Hogan returns, he gives his stage or his speech backstage, and Ellsworth goes in a cage. Yep. It's like, God damn it. You can't just, you just can't win! Um, I kid about that, and we shouldn't make light about it. But you got to joke about the serious stuff too. I, I always feel that's that's one of the best things to ever do. And um, we'll get to that when we get to the extreme rules. But God, what a stupid fucking stipulation! God. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess we can probably get into, we can get into, I I think I want to start out, since this is the summer of other, 
Holy shit, I'm getting ahead of myself here. Well, I, I think we should start out with the G1 special from San Francisco. You know what I mean? I'm done with that. You know, we're a week late, dollar short. Yeah. Let's that get happens, it in. And it's okay. I don't mind it. I don't mind it at all. Um, So like we said, there were some really great matches. There was some filler. You know, one thing New Japan, the filler is usually decent. And you don't get a six-second fucking match in here either, so... I, I think that's good. Um, it started out, Pasty, with... Um, you know, this is, this is a classic. You see this in New Japan a lot on their pay-per-views, especially their ones... Actually, all of them, even their, their large pay-per-views. You get so many multi-men matches... Um, but they send, they, they seem to do them pretty good that it doesn't seem over. I know a lot of people complain about that, about New Japan, is there's just so many multi-men matches. But they get people out there and, and you get a good show, I think. The one thing also that you can see is that there are a lot of, um, when we talk about this a lot, just a lot of groups and they have so many people in groups I think it's good, and I think it's good that not everybody comes out. Not everybody in a group comes out for every person's match. You can be part of a, a clique, a group, a club, a faction, but that's just, you know, where your allegiance is and who your friends are. It doesn't necessarily affect that match at all. So, first match they had was actually a 10-man tag match. It was the Bullet Club being represented by... Tama Tonga, Tonga Loa, Takahashi, Chase Owens, and returning to the ring, uh, uh, an icon, a hero, a legend, yeah. Meng himself, King Haku, who, if, if you folks don't know, is the father of Tama Tonga, Tonga Loa, and Tonga Roa. He is actually their father. Um, whenever you ask actual professional wrestlers who are in the wrestling business who was the biggest badass of all of them there's always somewhat of a list but but Ming Haku is always at the top of that list as the one guy you'd never wanted to fuck with um they were taking on the group of chaos the chaos faction who was represented by Yoshihashi Gato Rocky Romero who I've yeah. missed, he came out of his, his somewhat retirement, and Rapungi 3K, Yo and Show. I was so happy to see Rocky Romero back. I didn't know he was going to be in this, and I marked out like a little bitch. I think I marked out more for Rocky Romero than for Haku. Not by a <laughs> lot, but I think I did, and that's sad because it hasn't been near as long, and he, he definitely isn't Haku in any shape, sense, or form, but... I, I honestly, I have to say, I think I marked out more for Rocky than I did. Hey, you still got that neck thrust. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was a pretty decent match, I think. Bullet Club beat Chaos. Yes, it was kind me. of your, it was your multi-man match. Haku got in there, did his thing. It was pretty badass. Um, but it was... It wasn't the match. It was what happened after the match. Really. That that stole the show. Am I right, Pasty? Um, trying to think of what was that happened. not on... Wasn't that this match? 
No, that was the last match of the mat the night, yo. Oh, you're right. That was at the very end. I'm sorry. Yeah. I apologize. No, this was a really good way to start the show. Um, <laughs> the Tongas looked great as a family unit. Yeah, for sure. They um, they're really selling. And I mean, hey, the lineage is there. Other than the yeah. fact that um, um, Tonga Roa. No, I think Tonga Loa, the one that was there, isn't actually biologically Haku's. He's an adopted son. But man, you, you just wouldn't know. One of them, it's either Tonga Loa or Tonga Roa. I don't remember which one, but one of them is the adopted son. But nonetheless, even with him not being blood, I mean, the it's there. Yeah. The, the spirit and the, the fight and the personality of Haku is still there. I thought it was no. It was a, definitely a good good match to kick off the show, and for what came later in the night, it oh, was a and, damn good way to kick off the show. And speaking of Haku and Rocky, Haku hit a sick pile driver on Rocky Romero. That yeah. just number one, the first thing I thought was, "Oh shit, Haku's a little rusty, and Rocky may be dead." But it looked like yep. there was no real uh, anything. Well, obviously. With what we know what did come out of this pay-per-view for injuries, we would have heard about something, and Rocky wasn't injured. That's just what you call a fucking professional making something look amazing. Yes. But I was honestly kind of like, ugh. <laughs> yep. Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> Don't even try. Yeah. Yeah, it was good. It was good, and they put, they made, um... They put Haku as part of the finish. He got to do his tongue and death grip on him, like you said, and and uh, it was pretty good. I, I liked it. It wasn't great, but it, it got all those people out there. I, I guess, for me, just the fact that it was a good match, not great, good match, that I also got to see Haku and Rocky Romero in, yeah. that made it just a little better for me, I guess. For me. Just for me. Um, next up is a match that I actually I was busy and I didn't put as much attention into this one, so I didn't catch a lot of it, which is sad because three really awesome wrestlers that I really love are in here. But we got to see again Chaos being represented by Tomohiro Ishii and Toru Yano. Taking on Suzuki Gun, which of course has Minoru Suzuki and Zack Saber Jr. Um, Ishii and Suzuki are just such badasses. You just you can't go wrong with them two guys. Um, yeah, but it was uh, this was this was a great fucking fight, man. Right there, you go. Two machines a war on a mission to crush one another. <laughs> Zack Sabre Jr. and Toru Yano acted as great sidekicks in this one-on-one match. They did. And uh, Ishii and Suzuki have been feuding for a while now, and it's just... Every time they get together... I love the back-and-forth slaps for, like, five minutes. Oh, I know. And not just... You know, it's funny. when When you're a pro wrestling fan, or especially, like, a New Japan fan... That's that. That sounds different to you. If you talk to somebody who's maybe into 
boxing or MMA or just doesn't even watch wrestling and you're like, when you say, oh, the back and forth slaps are awesome and they're just looking at you like, how stupid? No, these fucking slaps <laughs> would feel like somebody just socking you in the face with a closed fist. I mean, they're slaps. They are hard hitting, just, I don't want to get hit by those big clubbed hands. Let me say that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's the funny thing, though. I was looking at this match the whole time. I knew it was a tag team match, but I was watching it like a one-on-one match where your guys at the side, anything goes. Right. It was funny that Zack Sabre Jr. and Toru Yano were the ones who were in the deciding pinball. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's kind of... I think they did that on purpose. It doesn't tarnish either of the icons. Yeah, exactly. There you go. That's exactly it, I think. I think those two can go on and continue to feud. Um, And, you know, it was kind of after after the fight that it was, it was kind of disappointing to see a roll-up be the finisher, but it worked. Um, Yeah. So Suzuki Gun got the loss. Chaos won. You know, um... Yano ended up uh, rolling up Saber. So, yeah, I mean, it was it was good. It was good for a for a fill. I, I would call this a filler match for a filler match. It was extremely entertaining. Yeah, I liked it a lot. It tickled me just right to see those two older dudes beating the shit out of each other, better than most young guys can. This next match. I was surprisingly disappointed in. I think if the exact same match happened move for move involving different people, I might have been like, that was a really good match. But you have two of of my top favorite guys in there and two other guys that definitely can hold their own. Oh, yeah. And by that, I'm going to say... We had the Bullet Club being represented by Hangman Page and Marty Skrull. And if anybody's listened to any uh, Beef Sticks podcast episode, you'll know I'm a super mark for Marty Skrull, and I love everything he does. And I'm still not sold on Hangman Page, but I respect him as just a solid worker that'll put on a decent match. And they defeated Taguchi Japan, which was Hiroshu Tanahashi and Kushida. Now, Hiroshi Tanahashi was, I mean, has been the John Cena of New Japan for so long up until Okada, you know, took him over. And he's like, I mean, he's just a hero. He's got the most beautiful hair in the world. And he's just, he's a really good wrestler. And Kushida, formerly of the Time Splitters, I just, I always find him so entertaining and energetic. And this wasn't a bad match. Like I said, if it was any other individuals and the exact same match happened, I probably thought it would have been better. But with Skrull and and Tanahashi in there and knowing what Kushida can do and the fact that uh, Paige is is usually a hell of a hand, at least, can put on a decent match, I was disappointed slightly by this match, Pasty. I can't say I was disappointed. I haven't seen enough Hangman Page or Marty Skrull matches for that matter. Um, I've seen quite a few, but not a lot. I like the match. 
probably think, not the best thing on the on the lineup. Well, no, we know it wasn't. One of the things I think probably my least um, of the wrestlers that I enjoy is Paige. And he seemed to be, I mean, maybe this was supposed to be his breakout match. Maybe this was supposed to be, you know, put him in there against Tanahashi and and really make him look good. And Marty, we know you can make anybody look good, so stand back and kind of give Paige the spotlight a little bit. I felt like it was Paige's match, and it didn't follow through for me. I, I just don't think it did. I don't know. I get what you're saying, but there it, were there weren't very many overly memorable moments from this match. That's for sure. No, really, there wasn't. And with Tanahashi and Skrillin, it just with Tanahashi alone, you should have some memorable moments. With Kushida alone, you should have some holy shit moments. Right. With Marty Skrull, you should have some fucking just unique things that that stand out to you. And I didn't feel I got any of them. Now I was watching this, and uh, my dad was was in the living room as well. And he's not a pro wrestler. I mean, he doesn't dislike pro wrestling. He just doesn't follow it at all. <laughs> he was like, uh, Marty's girl was coming out, and I was like, this is one of my favorite wrestlers of all time right here. And he's like, what is he, a bird? <laughs> I just laughed. It's like, no, he's not a bird. He's just addicted to accessories. <laughs> he's the villain. He's the, That's what I said. I was like, no, he's the villain. He likes accessories. <laughs> he likes to accessorize. And that's a good thing in pro wrestling, I think. Um, next up, he had the never open weight title with Hiroki Goto defeating Jeff Cobb. Pasty, I didn't watch this match. I'm not going to lie. I, wasn't I guess what me either, because at this point is where you told me, just watch these matches, and I'm like, okay. I wasn't even interested. Um, from what I've read and heard, it was a solid match. Um, Hiroki's always good. Jeff Cobb, I don't really know much about. Um, I do, I will say I enjoy salad. Yeah, a um, nice Jeff Cobb salad. Yeah, I like, I like eggs in my salad. You know, there's just, for me, there's something about eggs in my salad. I don't know what it is. Uh, might be why I like egg salad. Might not. <laughs> then we started getting getting shit going. It was kind of like uh, kind of like Extreme Rules, where it's like, oh my gosh, now as soon as you've got a tag team championship match with the Young Bucks involved, it's gonna be fucking great. And you know what? We got that. We had the Young Bucks representing the Bullet Club. We had Los Ingabanobles de Japón represented by Sonata and Evil. Everybody knows how I feel about Sonata and Evil. They're both right. great. Sonata's extremely talented. Evil is, uh, you know, I, don't, I would put him in that Hangman Page category as he's a hell of a hand and can have a good match, but he never horribly impresses you. But he gets a, a few great character. Exactly. Yeah, it's just it. He gets a few extra points because the fucker has charisma and the character down. He he has it. He has it. There was so much as a young bucks match goes. There was so much back and forth that it honestly could have went either way. 
the whole time. Um, there was two. Yeah, was there two ref bumps in this one? I want to say the ref got taken out twice in this one. Yeah, I do think it was twice. Evil has the charisma of fucking Rufio. Just to put that on a level. Yeah, I like uh, that. Rufio. Um, but no, it was a good one. They ended it with um. Oh, dare I say, actually, um, Sonata and Evil hit a um hit an indie taker on yes, I believe it was did. Matt and I was like oh shit and I almost thought they were going to win it there they hit an indie taker they didn't win it there but the Bucks came back and ended up winning was it, it with on a, a chair well they, they it was on a chair you know what I think the indie taker was on the chair also the Bucks won with a Meltzer driver on the chair but now that you say that I yeah. believe the indie taker was also on a chair the chair is what took out the ref um, the first yeah. or second or both times now that I think about it um, just really good tag team wrestling, really good back and forth. Both of these teams have teamed together for so long and are so good at tag team wrestling that they have so many team moves that they do together. And as you're watching it, you're like, they just have to know. Like, there's so many moves that they do so fluidly. It's not like, okay, in five seconds, I'm going to do this and you do this. They just have to right. look at each other. They'd and have be to call like, it like 16 spots in yeah. three seconds. It's just nuts. It's nuts and it's beautiful. <laughs> and a lot of a lot of old timers don't like the style of wrestling, and I get it. But to me, it's an art form. And when you look at paintings, yeah. you can look at a painting of a super realistic scenery with uh, you know some frost on the grass and a deer out there and shit, and it's just gorgeous. But then you can look at just some really abstract, um, you know, Da Vinci kind of just weird shit. And you can appreciate both of them. And to me, this is the abstract kind of painting that they do. God, it was good. It was good. (laughs) It was a lot of fun. As a Bullet Club match is. And after the last Bullet Club match, I had sat and watched in the living room with Kirsten this time, automatically, uh, young bucks come down. Her phone goes off. She watches the match. Good. <laughs> that is good. Um, and man, it just kept going better. Up next, again, four of the greatest wrestlers on the planet today. Four of the greatest uh, of all. We had Los Ingerbanobles de Japón being represented by... We had two of my favorite Japanese wrestlers on here. Tetsuya Naito, along with Bushi. And everybody knows how I feel about Naito, the same way Pasty feels about Bushi. The masked bastard. No. Um, Taking on Chaos, represented by my fucking spooge man that I I cream for every time he walks out, Kazuchika Okada. And Will Osprey, the the Brit who throws a fit, you know. Um, God, this was another just insane, good match. Um, 
this music for Okada, I had never heard before. I don't think it's old music, so maybe he has new music. I'm not sure when he started using it, but I didn't recognize it. I enjoyed it. Why did they have... They had an intermission partway through this. Yep. They had, like, awkward breaks between every match, and they cut sound. I just wonder if it's them broadcasting in America. Oh, a lot of them, yeah. A lot of a lot of them, they, they can't play the sound because of copyright mm-hmm. issue. Yeah. Um, yeah, I thought it was really weird that in between every match you had to wait through like three minutes of nothing. Well, they always do the, they do do the intermission and that's just, that's part of it. That's part of how they do pro wrestling. I would love to see everybody in that arena get up at intermission and make their way to the merch booth. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Um... Yeah, this one, it it was kind of, it was a tag match, but it was very, very, Okada faced Naito, and Osprey faced Bushi. Almost like an intergender match, but with heavyweights and light heavyweights. You know what I mean? You didn't see a lot of Osprey facing Naito, you didn't see a lot of Okada facing Bushi. At all, really. It was interesting, they did it on purpose, obviously. Um, I maybe would have liked to see more of, of them mixing, but it, it worked. Um, I would have liked to watch this match, but you didn't tell me to. Didn't I tell you to watch this one? <laughs> no. You gotta be shitting me. I did. Well, you should have known if it's Okada, I was gonna cream for it. I can't believe I didn't put this, this on my list. I really didn't, huh? Uh, no. No. Um, Yes, I did. Right after I, I told you uh, the Bucks match. I, I'm looking at it right now. Maybe I did watch it. Because I do think I did watch it. I think I watched it. I just... Well, um, I just... I put it down as Chaos versus LIJ. I didn't I didn't specify Okada, Osprey versus Naito Bushi. Yeah, okay. I was trying, I, to, I I was trying to type, you know, small little shit so I didn't give you a whole book, but... I put Chaos L.I.J. in Hour 3. So, if you watched it or not, that's up to you. But I did tell you to watch it. Um, But it, it was just really good. Okada and Naito. I mean, these guys, their, their rivalry has been good. And I think, I think Okada and Naito is going to be the new Tanahashi Okada. Like, Okada is now in the Tanahashi spot, and Naito is is in the Okada spot as the up-and-comer who's just as good and is going to be better. Yeah, I watched this. I did. Good. Um, Bushi and Osprey had fun. They did a lot of the um, spot monkey spots. And, of course, um, similar to, to, like we said, with um, Suzuki... And Ishii is, they had um, Bushi and Osprey be involved in the finish. Osprey hit the storm chaser on Bushi. One, two, three. It's a pin. So you keep Okada and Naito protected. Now, just the fact that Naito 
Okada and Tanahashi have already wrestled, and there's three more matches to go, is very, like, that'd be like WWE having AJ, Roman Reigns, John Cena, and Undertaker all wrestle and still have three more matches to go. Um, Similar to what they did this last time where they had Seth Rollins and Ziggler finish out the show. So it's kind of, uh, this shows you the depth of New Japan's talent right now, I think. That you can have those three headlining main event guys already have matches with three more matches to go. Now, to be fair, I don't know why the U.S. title match was way up there, but again, that's me. I think a lot of people actually enjoy them. But that's not next. Next we had... Holy shit, fucking well match. Uh, a stunning is like the word that comes to mind. Stunning match between Hiromu Takahashi and Dragon Lee. This was for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship. A very prestigious championship over there in New Japan. Uh, this, I mean, this is one, out of any match I watched, if I could say you have to watch one match, I would say this match, and I'm not even going to say because of what happened, although that super elevates it, but this is just one of those where you can't even really explain so much of the stuff. It no. was just... Hell of a fucking match. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah, um, to where it was like, almost uncomfortable. It's like it's no, no fucking wonder what happened happened. Yeah, it was because. very uncomfortable at some points. Um, you had the um, the double foot stomp on the outside of the ring, which you don't see that that often. Where Takahashi was hanging outside of the ring by the turnbuckle, and uh, Dragon Lee did the double foot stomp there. Um, you had a, uh, a, tor- not a tornado. It was a, was it a tornado DDT onto the apron? Uh, uh, there was a DDT. It wasn't just a standard DDT. Yeah. Maybe, I think it was a tornado DDT off the turnbuckle on, yeah, onto the apron. So where he landed outside. Um, you had so many different suplexes and throws. Uh, was this the match with the standing sunset flip off the apron? Yes, yes, yes. There was Good a standing God. sunset flip. <laughs> um, so oh, I, man. You have to talk about, obviously, if you listened to last week's podcast, you, you know that Takahashi broke his neck while taking a Dragonplex from Dragon Lee. That is basically yeah. a cradling um, over to, uh, a cradling suplex is what it is. It's a cradled suplex. They're holding their, He's holding his legs, has his head under his arms, suplexes him. He let go. When I watched it, I watched the clips before last week's show. When I watched it on TV now, it looked just worse, I thought. Mm-hmm. I didn't watch the clips last week, so I was watching it with virgin eyes. Um, I wasn't anticipating. 
Right. But whoa. <laughs> and you knew when it whoa. happened, too. <laughs> um, Takahashi was really kind of, you could tell something wasn't good. And he even said, like, no to the ref. And I thought they were going to stop the match. Um, I yeah, thought I, I was remember- very surprised they didn't. I thought I remembered reporting that they stopped the match, but either we got the wrong report or I'm making it up, and either one could have happened. Takahashi kept fucking wrestling. Not For another only- fucking minutes. And not only that, this motherfucker hit a Canadian destroyer with a fucking <laughs> broken neck. Fuck! Um, and part won of the me, match. Part of me is in awe, and the other part of me says... New Japan needs to, you know, get strict, stricter on their rules, kind of the way WWE does. I know this is old school wrestling at its best, and that's how it used to be. That is scary, though. Yeah. Fuck he took another scary. big bump after the break. He took another like right suplex. after the break. He took another yeah. suplex and landed on his neck, and like, and he hit a Canadian. It's just, it's it's incredible, fucking incredible. Andy won with the pinfall. Kirsten's like, oh my god, they're just going to strip him of the title. I said, probably not. This is this ain't WWE. He'll probably just keep the title with him. Yeah, and they don't he's... have near as many shows. And and they have know, more cha- championships. Yeah. They got plenty to go around, so and one's missing else, for a while. I mean, maybe they'll have Daryl defend it for him. You know, his cat. Who came out as Daryl, too, under the mask. Did you see that? Did, did no, Kirsten like Daryl? You didn't watch the intro? The entrances? His little stuffed I cat. Oh, his stuffed attention. cat that he has, Daryl. Oh. He had it under a mask, kind of like Dragon Lee, kind of spoofing on him. Daryl, too. So, awesome. Daryl's there for him. Daryl. Daryl's there. Um, after that... After this list of amazing matches, we had the Bucks match, we had um, Okada and Naito, we had this this fucking car wreck, almost a literal car wreck between Dragon Lee and Hiromu Takahashi, which by the way, like Pasty said, he won. He won the, the championship. Next we had the IWGP United States Championship Juice Robinson defeated Jay White. I really don't give a fuck about either of these guys, and I fast-forwarded this one, I'm not going to lie. Yep, I didn't watch it because you didn't tell me to. And it's the United States Championship, but I'm like, it's only this far up on the card because they're in fucking San Francisco. Right, and I like the U.S. title, and I I thought they wanted it to be prestigious and shit with, you know, Jericho and, and Kenny Omega and shit, but... Juice Robinson, who, again, if you guys don't remember, was C.J. Parker in NXT. I never liked him in NXT. And there's so many people who were like, oh, he wasn't being used correctly, and he's amazing now. He's the same fucking guy. Some people change, (laughs) some people don't. I don't think he changed. I'm not into him. Jay White, um, I probably should be watching more. I think he's he's supposed to be getting good, and he's going to be one of these up-and-coming guys, and... He's probably going to be one of these guys who become big, and I'm going to be sad that I didn't watch a lot of his earlier matches, but at this point, I'm just still don't care enough. I just don't care enough. I'm sorry, Jay White. I don't care enough. Besides, we had to get to the meat and the bone. But basically, the Switchblade Switchblade lost. Jay White lost the championship to Juice Robinson. So now it's been through three 
Jericho never got the U.S. title, right? Or did he have it for a while? It was, oh. Kenny Omega was the first. I think it was Omega and then I think Jay White. So now it's gone through three people and it hasn't been around very long at all. So Omega, White, and now Juice Robinson at least. I'm just not impressed. Not impressed. I think it's going to turn into the WWE's US title. Meaning meaningless. Wait until Enzo gets there. Yep. It'll be good. Yeah. It'll be the realest title in the room and you can't teach that. His consensual championship. <laughs> but then we had the match that everybody was talking about, clamoring for and excited for, the IWGP Heavyweight Championship. Kenny Omega taking on Cody. The Bucks did come ringside, but the Bucks were on both Omega and Cody's side. Yeah, they just wanted to see it through to the end. They didn't want... They were just ring boys. They were yeah. their seconds. They were both of the guys' seconds, as they would call them in um. New Come Japan. on, don't put them through the table. Come on. It was um, it was impressive. It's something that I don't know that WWE can do, where you have infighting in a faction, but the other people don't pick sides. Um, at one point, the Bucks did help Kenny Omega put Cody through a table, but as you said, Pasty, they kind of were like trying to talk him out of it. And you almost felt like they were more helping him so he didn't hurt himself than to help him so he could hurt Cody. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. For they those, were just concerned about their friends. Yeah. For those of you who didn't watch, it's not like they set Cody up on the on the table. Um, Cody literally crawled onto the table and laid down. It was kind of pathetic. But <laughs> Kenny Omega was going to jump onto a guardrail and then jump onto the table. And the Bucks just held the guardrail so it didn't slip. So it was more like they were trying to help him from not getting hurt. Um, This is another match that Pasty, I think everybody has said is so great. And God damn, if I didn't think, I didn't think it was that great. It was good. Yeah. Yeah. I I thought this one would at least bring your thought of Cody up a little bit. You were wrong, man. Cody did take a big-ass powerbomb um, from in the ring to out of the ring. Uh, it was pretty impressive. Um, and there was, was a... Was vert- halfway through the table spot where the legs broke but the table didn't? Yeah, yeah. Um, there was a uh, suplex from the ladder that was kind of intense. Um, but this was... Fuck, this was a slow match, Pasty. It was, but it was methodical in the way that I felt like it had to be, telling the story between these two guys who both run the Bullet Club and fighting for power, and Cody beat Kenny before, and now the championship's on the line, and it's time for Omega to redeem himself. I thought it was a really good story. I thought the addition of Bucks at ringside made it all the more better. It showed respect. I mean, Kenny Omega helped pick Cody up at the end and gave him that nod of approval. It's telling the story. It is doing that. I just, man, I'm just... Maybe I'm subconsciously being stubborn, but I didn't think this was a great match. I didn't think Cody did great. 
I think I honestly think that their match in uh, Ring of Honor was a little better than this one. Even I, I didn't think this one was the best. But now I'm gonna say it correctly, Pasty. I think a lot of this was building up to the angle that happened after the match, and that was yeah the creation of an in group similar to the elite or similar to the, you know, the originals or similar to, you know, there's, there's, there's so many people in the bullet club that there's different factions of it. Like Pastia said, similar to the Wolf Pack and NWO Hollywood and NWO 2000 and all that. Uh, but we've seen Haku, Tangaloa and Tamatanga Beat the shit out of Kenny Omega out of nowhere. And the Young Bucks. And every other member of the Bullet Club. As 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 every other guy got in, every one of them got taken out. They got new shirts. They're allegedly called the Firing Squad, which works. It the still Club, has the BC lettering on the shirt. Yeah, and it's and it's obviously an offshoot. I mean the Bullet Club is um I love that it's red. Gun. Like Wolfpack was red, <laughs> right? And... The, the Bullet Club is gun themed. You know, you have the Bullet Club, and they tried to they tried to at least at the beginning make everybody themed. There was Machine Gun Carl Anderson. Of course, they had Hangman Page. They had the cleaner Kenny Omega, who was supposed to be like a a, a mobster cleaner that would clean up all the you know all the bodies afterwards Hitman. to make sure nothing happened. Huh? A hitman. A cleaner is a hitman. Yeah, 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 exactly. So they, they've always tried to keep it somewhat themed with that. So it's kind of cool that um, they're, they're still keeping it themed with that. The shirts are cool. If there's yeah. one thing the, the Bullet Club knows how to do is to make entertaining shirts, whether it's the villains, whether it's the bucks. Um, <laughs> you're going to think I'm just saying this because I don't like them. I'm not a big fan of the American Nightmare Bullet Club shirt, but that's just me again. <laughs> Um, this is going to be interesting. There's so much fracturing of the Bullet Club, but they're they seem. But in this moment, in this moment, with the firing squad rising, it's going to bring more unity to the Bullet Club. I mean, for Christ's sake, Cody ran down. Said, "Give me the chair." And faked him out and helped out Kenny Omega. Right. Badass. That was great. So it's like, is this gonna... It seems like the more the Bullet Club fractures, the more they stay whole. You know, Kenny Omega had never denounced the Bullet Club, and the Bullet <laughs> Club has never said Kenny Omega was out. Um, the Elite never claimed that they left the Bullet Club. And the Bullet Club never, you know, just passed allegiance from the elite. So now with this new firing club, or firing squad, with the BC shirts, it's like, it'll be interesting to see what it is. Are they just as, you know, are they going to try to take over? The, the, the thing is, Tamatanga is an original Bullet Club member. Right, and he the, doesn't get near the amount of respect he deserves. He hasn't ever. Um, the original Bullet Club 
was Machine Gun Carl Anderson, Bad Luck Fale, who is also one that doesn't ever get any respect, Tamatanga, I want to say it was just those three. Carl Anderson, Bad Luck Fale, and Tamatanga. I know I feel like there was four and for some reason I'm missing one, but that that was it. Um I know Finn Balor didn't come on till later. And obviously AJ Styles, Cody Rhodes, none of them came on till later. Um Luke Gallows didn't even come on till later, so at least those three were were of your original bullet clubs. And um, he's never gotten himself over. I don't even think it's that nobody puts him over. Tamatanga has never gotten himself over. So, I mean, this might be New Japan's way of saying, here you go, we're going to give you a big-ass storyline. We're going to let you use your father's name and bring Haku into this. We're going to put you right in there with Omega and Rhodes. And if this fails, it's going to be your fault. You're out of a job. Like, part of me almost oh. feels that's... I, I have, I'm not basing that on nothing. I haven't read anything. I haven't heard anything. That's just one thing I thought of, was like, is this their way of giving somebody who's just not even a mid-carder a big push and say, hey, here you go. You I will run- say, in the, say in the coming weeks and as we progress through events, uh, we're definitely going to see at least one or two Bullet Club members change sides and join the firing squad. I can guarantee it. And I can also, I feel like I can solidly guarantee you won't see Cody changing colors. Well, it's interesting because right now they're all Tongan. Um, There's only so many, you know, Samoans and Tongans and Islanders, if you will, if you want to be racist, um, out there in the world, let alone in the professional wrestling world, let alone in New Japan. Actually, most of them out in the world are in the professional wrestling world. <laughs> that's the fucking truth? <laughs> <laughs> um, so part of me wonders if maybe, like, Bad Luck Fale joins them because he's he's not a Asian and he's not a Caucasian. And is this going to be sort of a colored non-Asian group? Um uh, I'm probably saying that wrong. I'm probably sounding very racist there, but I mean like a a non-Caucasian and non-Asian group. Because if you remember, the Bullet Club started out as Gaijins. It was like, oh, here's these Gaijins, or for people who don't know the terms, these non-Asian pro wrestlers. And obviously they've they've gotten an Asian pro wrestler in there in time, but it was like, oh, here's these Gaijins coming in and, and trying to change how we do things. So could this be maybe, you know, the in the world we live in now, that's a hot-button topic. I don't know what it's like in Japan, but I know in America, you know, as we, as we just talked about with Hogan, the whole black versus white thing, the whole African-American and Caucasian thing is, is as poignant now as it's been since the 60s. Could they mm-hmm. be going for something like that? Could it be the, the darker-skinned, the Tongans and the bad luck fale? Versus the Omega and the Rhodes and the Bucks. Could that be it? I don't know. I mean, you got a built-in storyline. You got a built-in reason by saying, hey, Tama Tonga, Bad Luck Fale 
original Bullet Club members. Not a single motherfucker thinks of those two when you think of Bullet Club. You think of Cody Rhodes, who is a WWE guy, and you think of Kenny Omega, who's a goddamn Canadian bastard. And you think of the Young Bucks, who are these punk little fucking Generation Me Americans who think they deserve everything. How come the colored people get put in the fucking B show and these white bastards are taken over? I mean, it writes itself right there. Right, yeah. I don't know how that plays out in Japan. That's just it. I don't know. I'm just freestyling. I just know Firing Squad is going to need a couple more soldiers. But I think the the upcoming war is going to be an interesting watch. If this was real life, they got Haku, they wouldn't need anybody else. But you're right. For storyline purposes, they need more people. Fucking 80-year-old Haku is going to take out anybody you send after him. I don't give a fuck who it is. <laughs> maybe maybe Brock Lesnar. A Brock Lesnar in his late 30s could maybe take out a Haku in his 80s. I don't know. I do want to watch that, though, now that we say that. I want to see a shoot Shit. fight. Speaking of Brock Lesnar and leading into what we're talking about next, which is... WWE Extreme Rules. Extreme! Man, how did you like that? How'd you like that raw opening of the pay-per-view with fucking Kurt I didn't Angle watch. Remember, I didn't watch the. Um, I didn't watch the opening of the pay-per-view, so I don't know. Oh. I didn't. I just watched a selective few. I watched Lashley on is what I watched. So one, two, three, four matches. Okay. So I don't know what what was the uh, what was the raw opening. Well, Kurt Angle came out and demanded that Brock Lesnar shows up on Raw. He's got three choices. One's either he shows up and defends his championship, or he shows up and they figure out who he's going to defend his championship against, or Kurt is going to strip him of the title. He was supposed to show up to Raw on the 16th? Did he show up to Raw on the 16th? Paul did. Okay. What did he say? And about guys in the ring demanding a shot. Are you watching WWE and fucking just playing with me or what, man? No, I'm not watching WWE. (laughs) I just watch YouTube. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. It's just they're going to do some kind of... uh, Oh, it's uh, a series of triple threat matches to determine who's going to face each other to face Brock at SummerSlam. God, that sounds lame. Um, A series of triple threat matches? It's two triple threat matches. That sounds sounds lame. (sighs) Whatever happened to a number one contenders match, one-on-one, the two people that that deserve it? Whatever happened to taking the U.S. title holder and the fucking IC title holder and putting them in a match to see who faces him? Oh, you know what? I seen a, I did see a meme, and I think I shared it on our um, Beef Sticks page to pretend like I know what I'm talking about. So, I think I know what you're talking about, and which throws all logic out the window. Because... Wow, good job, Google. I'm sorry, I'm going to interrupt you here. Go, ahead, go right ahead, because I'm so trying to figure out who the six guys were 
who were in the, the two triple threats. So I go to Google, type in WWE Raw 7, 16, 18, hit enter. First thing that comes up is a link to watchwrestling.in. Good job, Google. <laughs> um, I do know that Seth Rollins and Roman Reigns are in that triple threat. I know that. Um, yeah. and the only reason I know that is because... Drew McIntyre, Bobby Lashley, Seth Rollins, Elias, Finn Balor, and Roman Reigns. Okay, so I, I, I didn't share the meme on our Facebook page because I didn't know what was going on. I seen a meme that had somebody who Kurt Angle said couldn't be in the three-way for it because he lost his match at Extreme Rules. Oh, I want to say it was... Um, maybe it was Kevin Owens. I don't know. Somebody he said, no, you can't be in it. Didn't you lose your, oh, it was, uh, uh, I don't know who it was, but anyways, he said he couldn't be in the, the match at, because he lost his match at extreme rules. So he couldn't be in the contender for Brock Lesnar, but then he let Roman Reigns and fucking Rollins be in that same match. <laughs> Which, not trying to give any spoilers to folks before we give them the spoilers, but those fuckers lost their matches too. Oh, I think it was Baron Corbin. He wouldn't let yeah. Baron Corbin be in it because Baron Corbin lost his match at Extreme Rules. But Seth Rollins and Roman Reigns can be in it. <laughs> no talk about their fucking matches. No mention. <laughs> so that's, that's WWE fucking writing right there. This is why we're not watching that shit pasty. Is fucking bullshit like that. And you want to hear about fucking bullshit? Just listen to our goddamn results of Extreme Rules if you want a big, nice, fucking steaming pile of bullshit. This was a bullshit pay-per-view that I'm glad I, I watched not even half of. I'm here to argue that it wasn't that bad. It wasn't good. Lose an argument. Um, are we ready to go? Yeah, let's uh, get the shit in the rude. We got about so a half hour left. First of all, left. did you watch any of the pre-shows? No, uh, I caught the ending of the tables match. So we had Andrade Cien Almas um, defeating Sin Cara in an unannounced match. Which, from everything I've read and watched, I've heard it was a decent match, but that they had a match on SmackDown that was, like, twice as good, so it was kind of a disappointment in that department. Obviously, we haven't been watching weekly, so I'd, I couldn't even argue that if I did watch this match, but sounds like they dropped the ball on this one. How far, well, um, I can see both of them not to want to give their all being the first match on the pre-show. I can but, see both of them not wanting to give their all because they're sick of how they're being treated. Exactly. Well, that's what I mean, being first match on the pre-show. Yeah. What the fuck? Nobody cares. People um, are then, still sitting down. Then we got the amazing new hardcore tag team of Sanity put on the pre-show, as we talked about last week, is sad in a tables match. And, in a uh, tables match. Huh? I said, yeah, in a tables match. In a, yeah, in a tables match. Sanity beat the New Day. I don't know what happened. I know that you and I both assumed Sanity would beat them. Um, they had to. I heard bad things about this match. I heard that it seemed like 
both teams were kind of just going through the motions and they weren't really into it. Again, like you said, maybe it's because they were pre-show. I don't know. Maybe the New Day was pissed about Hogan and they just weren't into it. I don't right. Know. I couldn't tell you. I didn't watch it. But I've read and watched a handful of reviews of this show. And I've heard this one wasn't nothing either. Now, these are pre-show matches, and and they shouldn't even affect our look at the pay-per-view. So, I don't know. you have anything more to say before we get into the actual pay-per-view? Not really. I just basically got the ending of it. Um, The first match of the pay-per-view was for the Raw Tag Team Championships. I am happy to say the B-Team won. Bo Dallas and Curtis yeah. Axel pulled out a win against Matt and Bray. I did hear that they teased the Bo Dallas Bray Wyatt one on one, but then they didn't fight each other. What happened there, Pasty? Um, I'm not 100 percent certain. Actually, I'm not either. Still just getting kind of settled in. And the first match of the review usually blows right over at the top of my head. Oh, I hear you. Yes. Um, you picked the B team, which I didn't think had I a did. chance in hell of winning. I didn't pick the B team. So you picked up a win right off the fucking bat. Um, I didn't hear good things about this match. I can't say I heard horrible things, but I didn't hear good things about this match. Well, it can't be bad if the B team won. I, I will say I, I'm glad with the outcome of it, but I could see the match itself not being that great. Um, and just the fact that... Yeah, obviously the tag team division's really going downhill. I like Bo Dallas and Curtis Axel, but they're not portraying them as a great tag team. They're portraying them as a B team. So it's almost kind of a joke right now. Oh, no, because now the B team stands for the best team. Yeah. That's what Bo said. Next, we had Constable Corbin versus Finn Balor in the, as Pasty said last week, Leftover uh, big cast Daniel Bryan feud. Heard bad things about this match. Yeah, it wasn't anything to talk about, so I'm not going to. Sounds good. Moving right (laughs) along, we had another fucking ridiculous shark cage match. Shark cage! Carmella successfully defended her championship against Asuka. It's so sad that both you and I knew Carmella was going to keep the championship. And at this point, Pasty, other than something huge, can WWE save Asuka? Or is she she just... I mean, are the fans who didn't follow her before she come to WWE... Well, I don't think this is done. I don't believe this is done. I Probably think this not, continues even, into SummerSlam. Let's say Asuka wins the women's championship and goes on a fucking six-month undefeated streak again. Are the people who didn't watch her before she come to WWE going to give a fuck and believe that she's that badass woman? Or are they going to look it's, at the woman who lost to everybody since she's been on the main roster? I don't know. I think it's easy for Asuka to come over as the badass that everybody can be behind. So I hope so. I have a feeling she's going to be the female James Ellsworth, which is so fucking ridiculous. But And I'm hoping they give us 
James Ellsworth a la Dean Ambrose, AJ Styles now, where James tries too hard and fucks shit up for Carmella. Yeah. I'm, I'm digging what they're doing with Carmella. I just think they're really hurting. I think there's somebody else they could do it with other than Asuka. I think yeah. Nia Jax would be better in this position or something because they're really hurting Asuka, in my opinion. Um, We can't go without talking about the blatant fucking harness that James Ellsworth had. <laughs> I didn't even watch this, but I've seen clips. And so allegedly, to, to hide the harness, they had him put 17 fucking bandanas on his leg. Nobody knows why, but he had 17 bandanas on his leg. Leftover Enzo Mori storyline. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So he trips <laughs> out of the, the shark cage, or what happened? How did he get out of the, what was the deal with him hanging? I, I, I didn't even see him fall out. I know he tried to drop a chain, I He think. dropped apparently like four or five objects before he, he yeah. fell out. So he falls yeah. out. And he's allegedly hanging by one of his bandanas that's stuck. Except, I don't know if the bandana that was supposed to be gimmicked fell off or what. But you can see a harness wrapped around his ankle, hooked to the shark cage. And his shirt falls up over his head. And you can see a harness around his fucking uh, chest. (laughs) His whole abdomen has a harness. So he's obviously being held by a harness. Now, first thing I'm going to say... Safety should always come first for all the performers, and I'm glad he was wearing a harness and they didn't try to hang him by a fucking bandana. (laughs) But for a multi-billion dollar company, you'd think they'd be able to pay to have a few better props than that, I guess. I just... Why do you have to gimmick it? Yeah, he's wearing a harness because he's dangling above the ring in a shark cage. And if the door accidentally comes open, you don't want an Owen Hart on your hands. That's your gimmick. Yeah, right? Why not just state that from the beginning? Like, have somebody harnessing him up because he's hanging dangerously from over the... Which, by the way... For Christ's sake, don't you see the sharks? <laughs> which, by the way, I, I seen, again, I seen a couple clips of it and some pictures. That shark cage was super low to where Very I, low. Like, I'm pretty sure... six feet, Yeah, there, there definitely was no suplexes or back body drops being in that <laughs> match, I would assume, because... That looked super low to me. Um, so I don't know. I would call that another dud match, but who am I? Fucking Fat Mac, that's right. Hey, it was good. It was the worst gimmick inside of the worst gimmick at the worst gimmick pay-per-view. It helps progress the storyline. I just don't know if it's a storyline that I care about, I guess. I like what they're doing with Carmella. I don't dig the Asuka storyline and James Ellsworth. I guess by not watching week to week and knowing what's going on, I really don't care about James Ellsworth. So I love him. You do. I know. And I love him I for do. that just because he makes you happy. I want Next. I want one of those early 90s wrestle buddies of James Ellsworth. <laughs> hey, it already have no chin. <laughs> Next, we had the super prestigious U.S. championship match, which I guess I didn't realize. I thought he lost by disqualification, but Shinsuke won. 
Um, it was a six-second fucking match where Shinsuke hits Jeff Hardy in the balls and still wins? How did that happen? Where was the fucking referee? Balls was before the match started, my friend. So what did he do? Kick him in the balls and the ref decided that that was the time to ring the bell? Uh, it was like... I don't know. <laughs> this one caught me off guard, too, because it was during the entrance, and Nakamura ended up attacking Jeff Hardy because you were outside the ring six for a seconds. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And before I knew what was going on, the Nakamura's music was playing, and... Yeah. Randy Orton was coming down. I was like, "What? what's going on here? Yeah, so tell everybody what's up with fucking Orton, too. This, to me, is another negative for the pay-per-view, but I could be wrong. Very strange, man. Orton, he's back. Walks down to the ring. What is he? He's looking at Nakamura, and then turns around and kicks Jeff Hardy in the nuts. That's the only thing heels do these days. And he didn't have a reason. He didn't say anything. He didn't do anything, right? He just... We just, he's healed now just because he wanted to kick somebody in the nuts, right? Yep. Fucking A plus, man. So, so far, for those, for those of you listening, I'm completely happy I didn't watch any of this fucking pay-per-view up to this point. <laughs> I don't feel like I've missed a fucking I thing. was so mad at you. I'm like, you're making me watch this fucking shit by myself Nobody on my motherfucking it. birthday. Summer of other. You we could have just, we could have just discussed the fucking results and never watched it, bro. You didn't have to watch it. Well, I wanted to. I went and watched something else. I don't even remember what I watched. Bob's Burgers! I went and watched Bob's Burgers. I was way more fucking entertained by Bob's Burgers. Fuck that. Next up, we had... Again, didn't watch it, but from what I've heard, one of the most disappointing cage matches in the history of cage matches. Oh, it was fun. Kevin Owens defeated Braun Strowman in a way... And what I heard was a lot of slow walking, a few throws, and a lot of nothing. Well, yeah, it's what you expect in a match where Kevin Owens is outmanned. He's running away. He's trying to play on the defensive, tries to escape sneakily. That's what and then he expect. handcuffed Ron Strowman to the corner and beat the shit out of him. And Mr. I can can throw semi-trucks and ambulances spent, Mm -hmm. from what I hear, spent a lot of time trying to break those tiny handcuffs. He didn't, no, no. You just said that. He just didn't try for a while. Well, (laughs) that's even stupider, pasty. (laughs) That's even worse. He didn't try. That's even worse. (laughs) Okay. Hey, he fucking threw Kevin Owens off the top of the cage through the announce table. That was badass. So let's badass. talk about that. Braun Strowman, who's always like, I want competition. Let's talk about that. Yeah, Braun Strowman, I want competition. Gave somebody a win just because allegedly Braun Strowman thought he just wanted to be a bitch today. <laughs> why, why, did he, why did he give Kevin Owens a win? How about this? How about fucking three months ago, they said it doesn't matter whose feet touch first. It depends on who was fucking, who 
walked out looking better or whatever when Braun Str- <laughs> or, uh, Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar. Sh- well, no, they didn't hit the ground Roman nearly this and- Strowman stayed up there until they took the camera off of him, and then they had to use a fucking crane. But by their, but by their, ru- by their rules, since he was thrown off onto the announce table and didn't walk out, he shouldn't have been the winner. If we're His going with the rules, the for much much longer, it wasn't an instantaneous thing. But yeah, you know WWE and their shit logic it doesn't I matter. Do. I'm, I'm, it works for story. That's just it. And I'm, I'm here to rationalize to... it against all logical thought. I'm here to play devil's advocate. It's the summer of other, and I'm here to point out that this pay-per-view was shit. And you can play devil's advocate on WWE side and defend it, and that's good. It wasn't that bad. It wasn't that good. It was fun. It was a fun cage match. It was fun. You know, I can go back and watch Hulk Hogan versus King Kong Bundy from WrestleMania 2, and I enjoy that cage match. And that was a shitty match. But I can also look at you and say, that was 1984, and there wasn't a ton of shit better going on at that time. You can't tell me that you can look at Kevin Owens versus Braun Strowman cage match and say that that was one of the best matches that you watched this week. No, definitely not. But it was fun. Okay. Hey, fun is good. Fun is good. I I didn't watch it. I can't say it wasn't fun. But every reviewer I've watched or read did not have fun watching it. Since WrestleMania, you have to look at every Braun Strowman angle through the eyes of an 8-year-old child because that's now who he's aimed at. Yeah, that works. I mean, if you he's don't have... been chasing Kevin Owens around all week, that... flips Kevin Owens' vehicle over, laughs at him, chases him into a porta potty, takes him in a porta potty, drags him through the backstage, pushes him off the fucking the stage. If you're this gonna is say that we have to look at eight-year-old kids, that's fine, and I'm okay with line. that. And this was an eight-year-old kids' cage match. I'm okay with that, Pasty. I'm okay with us having a few people that are for the kids. But if you're gonna do that, Braun Strowman, Roman Reigns, that shit was for the kids. You had the big, you know, Braun Strowman that throws everything. You had Roman Reigns, who's supposed to be the hero of the kids. That was for the kids. You can't put Kevin Owens. In a fucking uh, storyline that's for the kids, because Kevin Owens is a for the smarts <laughs> wrestler. He's not a for the kids oh. wrestler. Kevin Owens is for the children, um, like Wu Tang. Sami Zayn, put Sami Zayn in there. Sami Zayn's goofy and lovable, and you can put him in that role. You can't put Kevin Owens and Braun Strowman in a children's match. To, to, for me, yes, for it, me personally, it's fun watching Owens be the victim. For me personally, it's not. For me personally. Yeah. But I watched Kevin Steen put on some of the most amazing matches of the early 2000s. So I'm different than the kids. I understand that. Won't somebody please think of the children? I need to make a button for that. Um, next up, we had the SmackDown Tag Team Championships on the line. The Bludgeon Brothers beat Team Hell No. <sighs> Pasty helped me out. Was this a, a boring, pointless match like it sounded like? Yeah, it was pretty dumb. It was Bludgeon Brothers beating up Kane backstage. 
and then Bludgeon Brothers beating up Daniel Bryan solo, and then Kane slowly walking down to the ring, and then Kane getting beat up, and then Daniel getting beat up, and then the Bludgeon Brothers retaining their championship. Okay, now I'm going to play devil's advocate here again, Pasty. And your response with the last match is going to fit. You you might as well just copy and paste your last Braun Strowman response, but I'm going to say it anyways. Not too long ago, WWE told us that if you don't have a tag team partner, you cannot go out there and have a tag team title match. And yet Daniel Bryan came out without a partner, and they started the tag team title match. They wouldn't let Braun Strowman do it. We had to get a fucking kid named Edward fucking Ludwig. Again, this is fucking shitty writing on WWE's part. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't even really think about it at the time, which is what they wanted. That's what they want. They want you to just be so fucking numb by how stupid it is that you don't remember Uh, how stupid it is. Yep. I'm I'm on a fucking tirade here, folks. I I am over exaggerating everything. And then I guess like to I be the devil advocate on the WWE writers end is Braun Strowman didn't have a partner ever leading up to that match, whereas Daniel Bryan had a partner moments before the match was supposed to happen. That is very true, and that is a a loophole that you could use. Yep. Yes. No, hundred percent. I actually I had already thought about that, but I wasn't going to give anybody that answer, so. <laughs> Well, I did for you. Um, it also sounds like Kane is injured and, like, they're gonna, like, why the fuck is, is Kane running for mayor? He's injured and they still have him fucking wrestling. He's not, probably not really injured. He's just taking it easy because this fucking mayor shit is coming up fast. Well, the rumor mill would have you believe that he, he's injured. He's got some kind of injury in his leg or something stupid. I don't know. But... I don't know. I Hey, I'm happy the Bludgeon Brothers still hold the title. I also... This is another group I don't think Vince McMahon takes seriously. And that's why he doesn't give yeah. a shit. But I love them as a tag team and as the champions. So... <clears throat> Um, yep, and I really didn't want to see a team hell no tag team reign. Nah, not in it's 2018. A pointless storyline, and you know them saying Kane is injured. They're already advancing this week with the Daniel Bryan Miz storyline due to Kane getting beaten up and them losing at the pay per view. Oh yeah. Um. So so Kane definitely just came back to get this pop of popularity right at voting time. Oh, yeah. And that's good. That's smart. That's super smart. Yeah. And good for WWE for helping him out. When your whole campaign is based on your wrestling career and your friends in the business. <laughs> now, if only he can keep uh, Hulk Hogan away from supporting him. Well, let me tell you something, brother. I love Kane because Kane is so fiery hot. He's just lighting everybody up down there, brother. He's quite the Christian, too. He's got good morals. In fact, I'm going to go out there, and I'm going to go down to Knox County, and I'm going to light a cross on fire in remembrance of Cain. Oh, (laughs) shit. Settle down, Hogan. Hogan, I don't need your help. Um, Up next. Cain will keep all those no good, no chins out of our city. (laughs) Right. Up next. Okay, folks. I... 
I went and, and went with, I, I watched and read a lot of reviews and results of um, Extreme Rules to see if it was worth watching anything. And four matches stuck out. And they happened to be the four last matches. <laughs> Loophole! Right? Yeah, yeah, it was just crazy. It was fucking weird. So I watched the next four matches. So let me say that first. Pasty, you watched all of them. I just watched the next four. Out of the four I watched, the next match was the best match that I watched from Extreme Rules. Yeah, but they couldn't put Roman Reigns in the main event without a title on the line. I was going to say, folks, you wouldn't wouldn't believe who was in the main event. Roman Reigns had, to me, the best match of the fucking night. Roman Reigns and Bobby Lashley. I liked this, Yeah, credit to the winner, right? Got to give credit to the winner. I give credit to both of them. They gave me what I wanted between these two guys. Yeah. Um, Roman Reigns was not very cartoony, but he also wasn't very sympathetic. Like, oh, poor me. He came out there to beat some ass. Bobby Lashley came out there to beat some ass. They both beat some fucking ass. And Bobby Lashley beat the most ass. (laughs) I, I enjoyed it. Yeah. It didn't even have a gimmick. I just thought of that just now. It's in the extreme rules. It didn't even have a gimmick. What are your thoughts on the Reigns Lashley match? And it was feud, a fucking It was a good fight. It was a barn burner. Yeah, it was just it was two big dudes going at it, but in an entertaining way. Mm-hmm. It wasn't really slow. They kept the pace up good. There was usually almost always something happening. Um, the two guys are both, um, their cardio is both good, so they were both there. You know, you didn't watch it and just be like, oh, shit, they're just doing this to catch their breath right now. I didn't feel right. that at any point. Um, the rumor going into this was that this was going to be the number one contenders match for Lesnar. Obviously, that wasn't the case. Who did you say? What did you say it comes down to now for Lesnar? Uh, it's Lashley, Reigns, Balor, uh, Baron Corbin. Well, no, that was the, the, the triple threats. Aren't those done or no? Or those didn't no. happen? Those are going the four oh, weeks into okay, summer. Okay, so we don't know do. yet. Right. But it's going to be two people. I'm assuming next week we'll have one. The following week we'll have the second one. Third week we'll have the two winners against okay, each other. Okay, so it's going to be two three ways and then and then a one-on-one. Yeah. Okay, I'm a little more acceptant of that. That that actually sounds better. I thought it was just like two three ways and then yeah. Okay. I'm okay with I'm okay with that. Um I like what they're doing with Brock and the UFC and the whole tie-in. Mm-hmm. But that's and once again it was Drew McIntyre, Seth Rollins, Elias, Finn Balor, and Roman Reigns. Oh, there you go. I know who I would like, and I know they're not going to go there. And Lashley. Okay. Lashley would, was the first one out. I would love to see it. Uh, McIntyre versus versus Lashley. I hate to say it, I'd like to see Lashley win and oh, see wait, a Bobby Lashley and uh, uh, Brock Lesnar. Okay, okay, those two triple threats did happen on Raw. All right. God, it makes me want to watch the shit even more. Drive me crazy. Nah, nobody gives a fuck. 
So Roman Reigns beat Finn Balor and Drew McIntyre in their triple threat. And then Bobby Lashley. And then the main event, Bobby Lashley beat Elias and Seth Rollins. So we got another Roman Reigns-Lashley. I'm okay with that. And I have a feeling it's going to come to a non-fucking finish, and then it'll be Reigns, Lashley, and Lesnar for SummerSlam. That would be okay. I think if you're going to have Lesnar in a multi-man match, it should be... (laughs) It'll four-way or better. Put more people in it. Yeah, I would much rather see Lashley versus Lesnar one-on-one. But between now and SummerSlam, there's a good amount of time. They can add another person in there. Yeah. Easily. Well, we all know Braun's going to cash in. And I bet Braun will be the guy to cash in at the beginning of the match. And just be in the match. Hey, Braun is still uh, hes still a face at this time. He could cash in before the actual match. It's happened once before. He could cash in and say, at SummerSlam, I'm inserting myself into this match. He could. Next up, we had an Extreme Rules Women's Championship match. Alexa Bliss defending her title with Mickey James in her corner against Nia Jax with Natalia in her corner. Pasty, with this being an extreme rules rules, which is a weird thing to say, but okay. It kind of felt like a, a half-ass lumberjack match. Yeah. Um, but I half-ass liked it, Pasty. It was it was pretty okay. I've heard uh, a lot of negative expect. Yeah, I heard a lot of negative stuff from from what I've uh, watched and read from most people, and I heard a handful of positive things. And I liked it. For a women's Extreme Rules match that you don't get to see a whole lot of, I thought they did good. She bought ringside seats so she could be there even though she's banned. Yeah, you gotta love that fucking storyline. But every company plays that game. It's stupid, but... Yeah, she got involved. And it was good she got involved. I I didn't mind that. Um, Out of the four matches I watched, this was probably... This was the worst, but not by a lot. Which was sad. (laughs) Um, He's saying Styles versus Rusev was the... The, the second worst. I yeah yeah. As much as I never, as much as I didn't expect that. Um, the next match, folks, Alexa Bliss def- successfully defended her ex- her uh, women's championship. Um, how'd she win, anyways? Do we even know? Uh, uh, I can't remember right now. I got it on. Uh, let me see if I can find it on the intro net. The intro net knows everything. Um, uh, Mickey James and and Alexa Bliss used a uh, used a chair. Oh, got a D- she got a DDT on the chair oh. after, after James had interfered. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, speaking of that, yep. what um what match was that that I was watching? It was not Ziggler Seth. It was not. 
Which match did I watch? Was it? No, Bobby Lashley and Roman Reigns. Was it that one? It... I think it was, which isn't even an Extreme Rules match. I think it was Bobby Lashley and Roman Reigns, where one of... I think it was Roman Reigns went to use the steel chair... or the steel steps on Bobby Lashley, and he fucking caught him. And got rid of him. That's just something you don't see a lot. Usually when people use the steel steps, like, they use them, or they miss. Right. I think it was Bobby Lashley and Roman Reigns, which, of course, WWE logic, if they're outside the ring, it's all of a sudden a no no rules match. But, yeah, he fucking caught the steel steps. That's impressive. But moving on, AJ Styles, Rusev, what was your thoughts on that, Pasty? It was pretty good. Uh, I can see why it wasn't the main event, maybe, I guess. But I can also still see the value in having AJ Styles versus Rusev to be the main event, money-wise. I think the crowd would have been pleased. It was a good match, a solid AJ Styles match. Um, I wouldn't mind seeing it again with both of them. Yeah, that's kind of where I am, too. I don't think either one. I don't think either one pulled out their A game for this match, and maybe, maybe no. I mean, AJ took out Rusev's one. leg a lot. Yep. And Rusev got him in the accolade, but it wasn't fully locked in story in the match. Yeah, this was a good match. I mean, it wasn't a bad match. I guess I was just hoping. For two guys that I really have a lot of faith in in WWE right now. I guess I wanted them to steal the show and they didn't. But they gave me an acceptable match. Um, This kind of goes with... (laughs) Similar to what I said in New Japan. Where it was like... If it wasn't those guys. And you had the exact same match. I probably would say it was better but I was hoping for more from AJ and Rusev, I think is the the biggest critique I can give it, which isn't a bad critique. That's not bad at all. That's just saying that these guys are too good that when they put on a good match, it doesn't seem as good. See, and from what I heard, I'm kind of looking back at this and I'm like, it was good. It was good. It brings up some heat. I like AJ Rusev. I hope to see it again. Yes. But now the rumors, and from what I heard on SmackDown, Uh-oh. was AJ was attacked by Almas. And if that's SummerSlam, Ooh, yeah, I'm a happy man. Be, that could be a badass fucking rivalry. <laughs> AJ Styles and Andrade Almas. Mm-hmm. Fuck! Yeah! Oh shit, that's a, that's a dream match. Just let them do it, WWE. Let them make the match right. and give them the time they want to take on it. And it would kick AJ in the nuts. That's how that match is going to go. Uh, yeah, you could just see Zelina Vega just booting AJ in the nuts and then uh, almost just small package. Uh, next up, we had the main event. A rare Intercontinental Championship main event on a WWE pay-per-view. It was a 30-man Ironman match. 
Dolph Ziggler. <laughs> 30-man Iron Man match. Is that what I said? 30-man. <laughs> that would be... A, I want to see a 30-man Iron Man match. 30 men, 60 minutes. Fuck shit I just want to see the one scorekeeper try to keep track of all of that. <laughs> Somebody just clicking fucking a counter over and over again like, oh, son of a bitch. He's going to have 30 encounters because he's got to keep everybody's... <laughs> 30-minute Iron Man match. Um, I was happy that this was the main event. Yeah, no. The IC title in the main event in a 30-minute Iron Man match, it felt really huge. And then the crowd ruined it. The crowd... Fucking... Fuck you, WWE Universe. You know what? Fuck you very much. Next pay-per-view when Roman Reigns is, is in the fucking main event. I can't even blame WWE at this point. It's on the fucking fans. Mm-hmm. They hijacked a awesome match with an awesome stipulation with two awesome wrestlers. That's to... being played out in a fucking amazing fashion. Yeah, to just count down the fucking timer as if it was the Royal Rumble. Like, what other Iron Man match should people count down every minute? Ever. And WWE, yeah, WWE took the clock away. They were like, fuck it. We're going to pull the clock away from the live audience. That was a great idea, right? Kevin Dunn, who is in charge of that kind of shit, he's in charge of production. Kevin Dunn is still in the fucking 80s. He didn't realize people have their fucking cell phone with the WWE network on it. So they kept counting down the time with or with. They counted it down louder. Along with screaming. Where's the clock? Yeah, no shit. That was for th- at least three minutes. Yeah, they oh, chanted, easily, Where's the clock? easily three minutes. Fucking, you could actually audibly hear Dolph Ziggler and Seth Rollins in the ring saying they should have let, just left the clock up. It was It was horrible, and then they got it on the network, and they chanted it louder after that because they thought they were being rebellious, and it was stupid. Audience aside, this was a really good match. And yeah, I look forward to watching it edited for audio (laughs) on the WWE Network in the future. And especially for a 30-minute match, uh, Iron Man. 30 minutes and 10 seconds. I've had, well, the the original Iron Man match was 30 minutes, so we'll go with that. There was a lot, what was there, seven, no, eight, eight. Eight. There was eight finishes. There was eight uh, wins by the time the thirty minutes was In up. The thirty minutes. Yeah. There's sixty minute Iron Man matches that go zero zero. We get so accustomed to zero zero or one one that you don't see a lot of different shit. Man, when um, it was Seth Rollins, wasn't it? Like picked up three wins like right away. It's yeah, like, holy yeah. Shit. three to zero. This is something different. And then Ziggler picked up. And then McIntyre. I was hoping they would do this. I didn't think that they would do it. But when McIntyre got involved, it was two two zero. Oh, yeah, and it was a DQ. And McIntyre got Q, but then beat the sh- shit out of Seth Rollins yeah, in the process. So... I'm surprised that ref didn't give him a second DQ. So it was one of those things where he cost a, a loss to it, but he helped him out in the long run. Yeah. This was just an awesome Iron Man match. This was a great match. 
I would say this is one of the best Iron Man matches ever. The thing that killed it. Well, again, audience aside, because the audience really killed it, and that pisses me off, because we're supposed to be fans, and we're supposed to tell them when we don't like something. But if you don't like Brock and Roman, how are you the same audience that doesn't like Dolph Ziggler versus Seth Rollins' 30-minute Iron Man match? Like, you, you, you... you can't just dislike every fucking thing. Now you're just buying tickets to bitch. You have to like one and dislike the other. But anyways, the one thing that, again, Summer of Other, and I'm going to call them out on their bullshit, is it came down to 4-4 in a tie. So, again, first of all, me, most people disagree with me. Me, I want it to be rules are rules. And Ziggler retains because he's the champion going in. It's a tie. He gets to keep it. But that's okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm I like a- that finish. I like it. Especially for a heel. It's good for a heel. But I'm okay with them saying we're going into overtime. I'm okay with that. Because it because it, it's good because it gives us more action. I'm not okay with them saying, okay, we go into overtime. And then he wins with a fucking roll up in 10 seconds. If you're going to go into overtime, I want you to go into fucking 10 minutes of overtime or five minutes of overtime. I want you to go into back and forth and a a ton of false finishes or somebody in a hold and he's, he's almost grabbing the ropes, but for three minutes he's stuck in that scorpion death lock and he won't grab the ropes and he won't tap because he's just, you know, I don't want to see, Oh, we're going to restart it. Oh, it's a roll up and he won. Well, why didn't you just do that 10 seconds before it was over? You know, what's the point of having a sudden death overtime? If you're literally just going to have that quick of a roll up, you should have done that. The thing is, yeah, even with that quick of a finish, like same outcome, that's my bitter note. Like if, if you were going to end it that quickly with Seth Rollins picking it up, maybe. Yeah. But if Ziggler is going to win it, just let it be at the four and four. And it does more for him as a heel, doesn't it? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's a more heelish tactic than, than doing the cheap, you know, the cheap fucking distraction by, by McIntyre and cheap roll up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it, it didn't help the story of that match. I don't feel. Oh, pasty. We talked a little bit of news. We got G1 Climax in here. We got Extreme Rules. We bitched. Uh, we talked about good old Hulk Mandela. We're, mm-hmm. a little, we're a little long on this show. Do you have anything else you want to part with? Any any words of wisdom from from the, the white that is paste? Banana bread? Is delicious. Oh man, slather that in butter. Oh, oh yeah. Oh. Hot and fresh out the oven. Ah. Sounds like a good night. And with that. And with that. And with that. I am at Fat Mac BSP on Twitter. I am at Bert Flobane on Twitter. Make sure to check us out. 
Don't forget to check out the Galactic Get Down because it's going to be amazing, yeah. folks. Don't forget to show WWE your disdain if you're unhappy with the product by not watching. Oh, we have. Oh, fuck. Before we go, let's just say, Pasty, WWE Monday Night Raw last week, not just this, this current uh, Monday that happened, but the week before that, got the lowest rating Raw has ever had since its uh, inception. And that's because folks like Pasty White, Fat Mac, and all of you listening who are not happy are not supporting them. They will yes. get the message, folks. If you're not happy, let them know by not watching. Every time you send an email, they think, oh, at least we're getting their attention. It's good, even if you complain. All you can do is not watch. You can not watch the fucking pay-per-views, not watch the shows, not click the fucking YouTube links that are from WWE. Find a different YouTube. If you're unhappy, let them know. If you're happy, support them. I want you to support them if you're happy. If you're not, follow us, Summer of Other. We're going to let you know what is fucking good. And I suppose I'll end the show with a glimmer of hope, too, in news that I heard this week. And that is rumors that Paul Heyman could be getting hired on as a writer for WWE. So that glimmer of hope could be right on the horizon, folks. SmackDown was at its best when Heyman was a lead writer, so good shit. All right, well, here's Fat Mac. And there's Pasty White. And we will and we will smoke your sausage later. Yeah.